What's up, guys? Episode 11 of the Man in the Arena podcast. Today is February 15th, 2023, Wednesday. Tomorrow, the Northeastern baseball team will head out at 5.30 in the morning to go to UNC Greensboro and start our season off. So I thought that this would be a great time to have a podcast on my grandfather, Bobby. His name is Ham- Hank Smith. But I call him Bobby because when I tried to say grandpa, I said Baba or something or some shit. I don't know. You'll have to ask my grandma or my mom about that. But I'm pretty sure that that's where the story started. So the reason I want to talk about him is just because this is he's the reason that I started the podcast. And I thought it would be a good segue into the season. And I thought it would be good to get my thoughts out there for my family and for myself. So I'll just start off with talking about who he was. And as I add in this podcast, there's no way to actually say who he was and explain him because he was a person that can never be replicated or replaced as is every person in the world. But when trying to describe somebody with that significance to you, it's hard to show the show everything that he was and and everything that he still is. So I'll try my best, but there's obviously things that I'll leave out, and that shows his importance and significance. So when I was writing some things down about him, some of the first things that I came up with were he was an energy that cannot be replicated. He was everything while acting like nothing. And what I mean by that is he knew so much and he was so great in all aspects of life, yet he act humble. If I had, if I hadn't known all the things he did and I, when I was younger, I actually didn't know all the things he did. I couldn't tell because he was so humble about it and he went on with his business like anybody else. So that's something that I've definitely tried to replicate in my life and having humility and being as humble as you can being as generous as you can those are some things that I've learned from him and I'll give other lessons as we go as well so Bobby was calm yet fierce he was strong but vulnerable stubborn but open-minded he knew so much yet knew he knew nothing. He was always a student. He was always learning. He traveled to seven continents to further his knowledge and further his understanding of the world and himself. He was organized, precise, and planned, yet free, creative, and adaptable. So he knew what he needed to get done He had everything planned out in front of him, but if something went wrong or something came up, he knew how to be creative and work around it and be adaptable and make it work no matter what. He was always looking for growth of himself. Like I said, he was always a student. He was always looking for growth for his family and for the world. So there was always things that he had going on. There was always projects that he had going on that he was 
working either for himself or mainly for, for other people. He was trying to share his energy, share his, his knowledge and create opportunities for others so that they could succeed as well. As I grew older, I learned that he was pretty patient, especially with me when I was 10 to, to all the way up until our last conversation, probably. He, he had a lot of patience with me, and he was one of the wisest people that I've ever had the chance of getting to know and meeting. So one of the things that I feel that I have within me that he not only instilled but helped create was dreams and visions. He always had a vision of how things would go. And like I said, he was adaptable if the universe had other plans. But he had visions and dreams of where he wanted to go, where he wanted to take his family, and projects that would help others. One of the things that I actually picked up from my Uncle Derek at Bobby's, I'm not going to call it a funeral because it was a celebration of his life. Um, during the COVID summer, we all got together, or maybe it was a summer after, we all got together to celebrate his life at his grave. And one of the things that Derek talked about was his presence. And I had never really thought about it before, but Derek talked about his presence physically and emotionally. And that's something that really stuck with me and something that I've tried to do more in my life is be present in the moment. When I talk about his physical presence, I mean him being there for certain events or being there for my cousins, my aunts and uncles, my grandma, me, his grandchildren, everybody. He was always trying to get to games, to events, to anything that had importance to somebody. He was trying to show support and get there and be there for them. I talked about this in the first episode, but he was always at my games, no matter where they were. They could be across the country, in rain and snow, whatever. He was going to find a way to be there. Even if he wasn't feeling that good, his health wasn't that good. He was making sure that somebody was there supporting. And now that means a lot more to me than it did then. I didn't really see the bigger picture when I was younger, but now I see the bigger picture. And it it's an amazing thing, an amazing ability that he had. On the other side of presence, the emotional side of presence, I never really realized it, but every time you had a conversation with him, he was there in that moment trying to help you. He was never thinking too far ahead. He was never thinking about the past. He was focused on that specific spot in the time that he was in and the task that was at hand. And that's the way he was able to handle situations. That's the way he was able to bring solutions to problems. And that's the way he was able to navigate this crazy, chaotic life. When I think about one word to describe him, if I had to choose one word, which 
I don't want to, but if I had to, the thing I wrote down was teacher. And I didn't realize this until I thought about it today. I always knew he was a coach. I always knew he was somebody that would help me with baseball. But I didn't really realize it until today that he was a life coach, essentially, to me. All the lessons that he instilled in me, he never sat me down and told me certain lessons that I needed to learn, or he never told me what I needed to do. He never told me how to act or told me how to do these things. He just did it and showed me. And I believe that he knew eventually I would see that. And I think he saw inside me that I would eventually understand what he was trying to get across. So I thought that that was a really cool lesson that he gave me. And I think, or sorry, I'm not going to say I think, I know that he knew that one day I would understand his teachings and understand what he was trying to show me. So he had the, like I said, he had the ability to teach me lessons even when I was unwilling to learn them. So he knew that if he tried to force me to learn lessons, I probably was going to be even more resistant. And if you didn't know me as a kid, I was, uh, I was not the, the most open-minded kid. I was also not the easiest to deal with as a five-year-old running around the farm. But maybe we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a different lesson or excuse me, a different episode. So another part that I wrote down, and this is probably the most important value or characteristic that he had, he was magical. Like I said earlier, I cannot fully describe him. It wouldn't do him justice. So he was a magical person. The energy that he had, the values the characteristics, everything about him was magical. He was a grounded human being, but thinking about him now and looking back to the times together, he was, he is magical. Some things can't be explained and that's the way I'm going to, that's the way I'm going to make sense of it and explain them. As we're talking about the baseball season starting, I want to add that I play baseball because of him, obviously, because he's the one that started the the love and passion for the game by introducing me to the game, by throwing with me, by allowing me to create that that love for the game. And obviously I play the game because I love it. But he did introduce me to the game. And now that he is no longer physically with us, I feel a deeper connection to the game because that is the way that I can connect to him. I have a sheet of paper taped to my bedroom door. And I read it every morning when I'm brushing my teeth. I will go over the full sheet in later in another episode possibly, but 
at the very top, I have a question that says why, and it's underlined. So why am I getting up and going to play baseball? Why am I getting up and going to lift? And underneath why is to enjoy the game. And then another bullet point is to connect with Bob. So this game, to me, is a way to connect and to continue our connection because we can still grow our relationship and connection even if it isn't physical. One thing I really liked from my family was my my aunt Tam texted me over the summer and I'm not going to read the exact message but she was asking how I am at peace with losing him. And I didn't know how to answer at first. I really struggled to answer because I didn't even realize that I looked like I was at peace with losing him. And to me, I don't think, I I didn't ever think that I was at peace, but I guess to others I did seem like I was at peace. And the more I thought about it and the more I think about it, I don't believe that I ever lost him. So, although he is physically not with us, I believe that he finds ways to bring his energy when I need it most or when I just need it. So, I can't put this... And Tam asked me, you know, when I felt it or when I can exactly put a finger on it and know he's there. And I can't, like I said, he's magical and the energy just comes at crazy times or whenever he knows that I need it. So for instance, if when I was playing in the Cape this summer, there was just a different feel in the air and I can't explain it to you. I just knew it. We both knew it. That's how our connection works. I just know when he's there, we can feel the energy. And it's quite often that this happens. And it's something I didn't feel when he was still alive. So that's how I know. I I want to talk about kind of how I connect with him and do this on a daily basis when I'm on the mound. So when I... I'm about to pitch, whether it's a bullpen or any time I touch the mound. Doesn't doesn't matter if a hitter's in there. If I'm just throwing a bullpen, I'll do it too. But I'll take a step off the back of the mound, take a kind of get into a squat position, and I'll smell my glove because I'm trying. I'm closing my eyes and I'm visualizing myself as a ten-year-old walking through the mudroom of the farmhouse that I live on and that I lived at and live on. And when I walk through the mudroom, when I was little, I would always get my glove out of the mudroom. So it smells like leather. I grab a ball, walk outside, grab my pitch back. And I would hear, I hear my pitch back scraping against the gravel driveway. And then I put myself in my five-year-old point of view and, 
just throw, just have fun taking ground balls, throwing strikes, loving the game, enjoying the moment. And I look around and see the farm, see the grass, see everything at peace, see my grandma in the barn, see Bobby in his office, and everything's all good. He takes it all away. And then once I got that visualization down, I write H H H S S if it's a turf or dirt. And that's my way of letting him know that he's there and he's good to come watch. When I'm home at our home field or anytime I have a walkout song, the song is Speedway at Nazareth by Mark Knopfler. And everyone's always like, dude, that song, it's just a terrible walkout. Like, why would you choose that? Choose something better. And it's true. I don't love the song. But it was one of his favorite songs. And when that when that thing gets playing, I feel like it's a way for me to lessen the thought and view that it's about me because when I'm pitching it's not all about me it's about the people that have helped me get there and the people that have sacrificed so that I can succeed and so that I can do what I love as I also talk about coping or finding peace with him not being physically here I do struggle with that at times but I do find peace in knowing that he's not gone and and I still connect with him daily and there I'm not gonna pretend that everything is always fine like I, I think it's good to understand that there will be struggle like I said and that will grow me and help me find myself a little deeper but there are times where I'm looking up at the stars at night or so there's a couple ways I look at it sometimes when I am feeling lost or confused I'll look up into the stars you know and just find where he's at I don't know exactly where it is but I know it's somewhere up there so I look I I, I don't really say much I just have peace in knowing that he's looking out for me and that he knows more than I ever will and he knows the path that I'm taking is the right path so I'm going to continue doing it and trust it and know that he will lead me in the, he will lead me in the right way when I'm playing catch or just at any point sometimes it'll be when I'm home on the farm I will look up to the sky or look up to the stars and just see him and this isn't in a sad way. This is in just a loving, connected way. Just knowing that he's watching and he's smiling just as I am playing the game. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to enjoy it. And that's all we can do. So, last thing. Sorry, got a little emotional, but we're working through it. The last thing is 
when I'm going through meditation or when I meditate, one of the things that I do is talk to him. So it could be just a conversation about most of the time it's about baseball or just how we're doing, how things are going, some issues, maybe problems. And then I'll have him give me advice. So that's another way I connect to him. And the last thing that I've seen that's really helpful for me, and it does get me very emotional. Like I'll, I'll definitely shed some tears during meditation sometimes if I, if I do this, but it's not necessarily sad tears. It's more like after it, I feel good and it's a comfort and love tears, but I pretend that, or I visualize that he and I are on the porch of the farmhouse and the 10 year old or five year old or whatever young me is playing on the pitch back and we'll just, I'll just ask him and, and talk about me and say stuff like, you think this kid is good or you think he's, he's got something special where he's going to make it. And I honestly can't tell you the exact response I get, but it'll be something like, we'll see, I believe in him or something along those lines, something deeper. I, I, I really honestly can't tell you unless I just came from meditating on it because it changes every time. But those are ways that I connect to him. I'm glad I was able to share this with you guys. Hoping that you understand my thoughts about connecting and my thoughts about how I connect with him or my advice about how I connect with him. And then the last thing I just want to say is Bobby, thank you. I miss you. We'll see you on the mound. And I can't wait to enjoy the season and every pitch with you. Um, let's have some fun and That's all we can really do. So love you. See you guys later.